0: Log Talk Radio. Hi there, I'm Mary Irene Williams at Feisty Side of 50 Radio, and this show is a celebration of baby boomers who are embracing life as we grow older. And believe me, it doesn't get much better than getting to speak with our guest today. I'm thrilled that author and Beatle aficionado Bob Wilson is joining us to share all about his amazing tell-all book that exposes the real behind-the-scenes story of one of the most intriguing mysteries surrounding the fab for. Of course, we all remember how the Beatles stole the hearts of Americans everywhere, but then in 1969, those hearts were crushed by the news that the cute Beatle Paul had actually been killed in a car accident back in 66, and it was further rumored that to avoid worldwide grief, the real Paul had been replaced by lookalike Billy Shears. Thankfully, we found out later that the tale of Paul's demise was all a hoax, but we are incredibly lucky to have Bob join us today to share all about his fascinating and thoroughly delightful book, From Strawberry Fields to Abbey Road, The Billy Shears Story. We're going to find out the whole story behind the story. So welcome, Bob.
1: Thank you so much for having me on. I was excited to be on, and it's so much fun, and I just have to mention my co-author, Don Jeffries. Don, I was doing the book, and I know he's written about a dozen books. and uh, He has a hidden history series and uh, crimes and cover-ups and a book about entertainment called Unborrowed Fame. So, put the, I'd re- written a lot of articles, but I'd never did a whole book, so I got a little nervous, and Don's like a big brother. So I said, would you come in so I'll make sure I pull this one together, and it gets finished, and he said yes. Actually, his wife prodded him because they're friends, and he came in <laughs> to help me. And he definitely made it uh, possible to get it done, and in a good way. So I thank Don for being part of the book, and he uh, brought a lot of the people into who we interviewed.
0: Wow! Well, i talk about people work. I mean, you and Don created such an amazing book. Uh, it, it's such a fascinating topic. It's intriguing to find out the 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 facts behind this famous incident, because I would say about ninety nine point nine percent, if not hundred percent, of our audience. former and still Beatles fans so I can't wait to find out more about your research and all your interviews but let's begin by you telling us a little bit about the book and what led you and Don to dedicate so much time and energy to unraveling this mystery
1: well for a long time like a cover art was done by a fellow named Warren Brown and he has the Beatles kingdom where he posts his art on social media I think he has 130,000 plus followers and he and I started doing a several years ago, a Beatles show you can find on YouTube called Tomorrow Never Knows. So it started off with nothing. You know, you've got three listeners in the beginning, and uh, it caught on, though. We had guests like Apple, president of, you know, Beatle Records, Ken Mansfield, wow. and we had on a large tuber of Wings. And as time went on, we got Gary Van Sayoc, who was in John Lennon's band. So all these great people came on and helped us, uh, Jude Kessler and Ivor uh, Davis, who you know, of course helped us and they helped with the book and uh and that's kind of how we got into it and then the Beatles have had so many books written about them and I said one angle I'd never seen you know and haven't done a lot of articles on the on the Beatles for live for live music and Beatles magazine with lovely Rita um I knew you know a bunch of the people and after they got to meet me I was shocked they still wanted to stay in touch (laughs) so they didn't want to carry on me so I, I called some of them up and said hey I have an idea to do this book would you willing to be interviewed and from the past connections, they all said, sure. So when they came together, that's really what made it special.
0: And absolutely special. And one of the people you interviewed was Fred Labore. And tell us a little bit about Fred and how he played such a big role in this mystery.
1: Fred is a force of nature. Um, I learned um, as I was trying to locate Fred, um, he had won two Grammy Awards, and he plays with a, a country band. Uh, they dress up in these wonderful uh uh, out, you know, out, uh, cowboy outfits, but they're very ornate, really cool, like the Hank Williams kind of stuff. And wow. they played at to Grand, Grand Ole Opry, so I'm thinking, you know, Fred did pretty good, you know, getting these rumors started, but he was at the University of Michigan, and they had asked him for the paper um, to do a review of Abbey Road. So he's like, well, you know, everybody's reviewing the album, I guess, and he thought, you know, what well, can I say that's different? So he took a tactic of writing satire, so when he was writing the satire, he thought it would be obvious to the reader that Paul hadn't really died, but he was putting these clues in, you know, and and such. <laughs> you look at S- Sergeant Pepper, it looks like kind of a funeral with all the flowers on the cover and a left-handed guitar. It kind of looks like a grave, and he went, you know, from there and came up with all these different clues up through the Abbey Road album. And put it out as a spoof and then much to his shock it took off they sold out the whole edition of the newspaper over there in Michigan and then they had to do another run of it and I think that one sold out completely too so in his pre-internet days this took off like wildfire but I just want to say Fred really impressed me because he was so kind and humble and I learned you know he's got two Grammy Awards for the writers in the sky Grand Ole Opry and he started these rumors He was driving from one part of Michigan to another listening to the Russ Gibbs radio show, and a caller in said, you know, I think there's something with Paul. He's in, like, late at night drive, and he said, hey, you know what? I'm going to make up this spoof. And then it took off, and then we're still talking about it to this day. So it's a good thing Fred had the radio on as he was on the road in Michigan. (laughs)
0: Yeah, but I can imagine, like, coming up with this idea, oh, this is a great angle for a newspaper article, and all of a sudden it blows up all over the world.
1: Yeah, from his car to the whole world. And, uh, you know, and still talking about it today. And some people got so excited, they really thought Paul had died and the Beatles were trying to find a way to tell people. With these right, well,
0: and, speak, uh, and speaking of your interviews with Fred, I know you interviewed a lot of stars and other luminaries and people that had interactions with the Beatles. So who were some of these people that you got a chance to talk to about your book?
1: Well, first and foremost, I have to mention my friend who's a serious researcher, William Mattson-Law. He works with me and Don. Uh, He does his own work, which is superb, but he's a serious researcher, and he's working on another book with me and Don now, so I was shocked. He said, and we were friends, and he said, you want to do a book with me? And I was floored, and I said, sure, so we're working on that. But his book's In the Eyes of History and The Cold Shoulder of History, talking about the Kennedy years, but his stuff is, like, really, really serious, so he was happy to, to come in on this one, which was a little lighter but he's like a uh, very accomplished So I want to mention my friend hey there shout out to William in Law our friend Don is a wonderful person and just about my best friend but he never mentions us when he's on interviews so I had to get William in there the two of us. Don, Don is a talented guy with a great sense of humor but he loves the spotlight so I have to mention our friend William and I'm on here, so I don't have to mention me, of course. So Thank you for having me on. But we also had—I come from Queens, New York, and uh, the Ramones kind of came from the same area. The rock group, the Ramones, with "I Want to Be Sedated" and "Rock and Roll High School" and all that. So wow. Vera Ramone has uh, taken a kind heart to a fellow like me who's been working. She's Dee Dee Ramone's widow, and uh, she's a wonderful author. And I asked her to be in it, and she said yes right away. And she's an author wow. of "Poison Heart," and uh, she came right in and. From the Ramones world, we also got Mickey Lee, who was Joey Ramones' brother, a musician in his own right. They all said, Bobby's not going to do it. He doesn't do interviews. But we came from the same neighborhood, and he did it, so I was so happy. Uh, the Ramones' r- mo- uh, road manager, Monty Melnick. So if you're a Ramones fan, this is a book for you. Just to name oh, something wow. quick that are, that are at the thing one shocked me was Joe Brutzman is an author who wrote with Gregory Peck and also wrote with Marlon Brando. And he wrote a book, and I interviewed him. I didn't know what a big shot he was at the time, so I wasn't nervous, but he said to me, do you want to bring my friend on the next show? And his friend was Tony Peck. So Gregory Peck's son is in the book, Lawrence Tuber of Wings, Fred Velez, and, uh, who's a good friend of mine who covers The monkeys, and his buddy Charles Rosanay are in there, actress Sally Kirkland. Um, it's, I don't want to just read a list off, but there's so many people we're grateful to have had. John Jeffries, our friend Don Jeffries' son, He does mention us when he's on things, so the son does mention us. So he mentions (laughs) William and me, so we thank John. And then we got um, uh, Nick Mancuso, the actor, uh, Gavin Pring of uh, He's in a Beatles band, and they do a fantastic job turning around covering the Beatles. Um, And all these people said, yes, so here we are. I could keep reading. I think last night I said, in case he asks me how many interviews we do in the book, I believe it came out to 43 if late at night I counted correctly.
0: Oh my gosh, Bob! Well, what a, what a treat for you to get. I know some of them, or many of them, have probably been on your podcast. But and, and by the way, now that we mentioned your podcast again, what is your podcast
1: called? Um, we do. We do. Tomorrow never knows. It's a Beatles show, but sometimes we go off in directions that are connected, you know, to the Beatles and have people on who are in music. But uh, by and large, it's about um, you know about the Beatles. When we started out, Ivor came on and kind of gave us a name for ourselves. He's always so generous. I know you know him. Uh, Jude Sutherland Kessler, who did the John Lennon uh, series of books. I think she's up the sixth one is going to come out next. Uh, it's wow. going to be a nine-volume series. Um, she wrote the forward to our book and uh you know these people came together for us and went to bat so without their stories um you know basically we asked them what do you remember about these rumors and what did you make of it how did your friends react so they went back in time you know through the sea of time as the Beatles say know, submarine they went back in time and told us you know what happened to them then also richard belzer the author and his co-writer David Wayne came in and I think sadly in a way mm. um you know uh, I really had a heart for Richard Belzer and, and his buddy David yeah. Wayne uh that was probably uh that was probably the last interview that uh Richard Belzer uh had given uh until he sadly uh. went, went went home but he was so gracious to us that you know he treated us you know and David Uh, Wayne, treat us, you know, just like regular guys and talk to us, and they couldn't have been more supportive and gave us a blurb, and uh, I couldn't thank them more. And, uh, you know, especially David Wayne, who lost his writing partner now. But I know David's so talented, he'll have no problems moving forward. But, of course, he'll miss Mr. Belzer. Yeah, well,
0: well, Bob, I mean, connecting with all of these people, they must have, they must have shared their own personal history, but some of them, of course, knew more about the Beatles than others. So tell us um, about some of the clues that you got that uh, really, you know, kind of grabbed you and, and garnered your interest and made you, uh, give you some aha moments to all this, the behind the scenes story of this mystery.
1: Well, I mean, nobody knows precisely what happened because the Beatles never came out and told you plainly what happened. But some of the clues, I think, for them to have happened spontaneously and just been misread, it kind of defies logic. Like if you go to the White Album on the vinyl and you uh, put on Revolution Number no. 9 at a certain point and you leave the power on, but you spin the record backwards with your finger when the record player is in gear, like it's in neutral. All of a sudden, you hear this voice very clearly and creepily say, turn me on, dead man, turn me on, dead man, turn me on, dead dead." (laughs) man. So it seems to be John Lennon speaking it. So, you know, what are the odds that words spoken backwards would come out to that or however they inserted that into the disc? So that one, like, I think they were doing it on purpose. And then, of course, people, once the phenomena had hit, I mean, the Beatles started selling more records like they weren't selling enough, right? So, um, but they you know the other clues are sergeant pepper if you look at the cover it just looks like a funeral it looks like you know and, you know it has like a little doll and it says on it welcome rolling stones and it looks like it has a bloody glove on its hand Um, there's a hand over paul's head looks like it's pronouncing you know some kind of a blessing or last rites Um, you turn the album over and um, you know paul mccartney's in the front obviously you see the beatles from the front on the front cover and you turn it over and then you see paul mccartney the three other three Beatles are looking at the camera and Paul is turning with his back to the camera. So I don't think all of that was a coincidence but, you know, people read into other ones like it says, John Lennon at the end of Strawberry Field said, Cran you know, I buried Paul, but if you listen carefully he really seems to be saying cranberry sauce So it took, you know, a life of its own <laughs> a life of its own, you know, people started looking for clues. So it mish mishmash together, and there was no Internet. And yet, as you said before, it went all over the world.
0: Yeah. Well, and I remember the part about when they were crossing Abbey Road, Paul was barefoot. That was one of them. And then there was That's another big... thing about roses in his lapel, or he's holding roses.
1: In Magical Mystery Toward the Beatles, are dressed uh, for a dream sequence, and they're singing the song, My Mother, uh, My, Your Mother Should Know. So as that coming down, like in this kind of big, ornate, you know, old-fashioned dance number, uh, like, Bu- oh, what's his name, Buxley Burgley or something like that, it's before my time, but he had wonderful music and movies. Uh, but walking down the stairs, nonetheless, and each beetle has on a red carnation, and uh, Paul's is black. So Paul had said, well, you know, we ordered these flowers from the flower company, and they sent over three in one. You know, but they didn't have another red one. But then in another picture, you see Paul holding a whole stack of them. So it seems like they were. He'd put on the black one on purpose, so I think they were having a go with us, you know. I think they were kind of putting us on, and they were getting a lot of publicity and having fun with it
0: oh my gosh well i mean it really was i i you know listening to records backwards and trying to figure out i think people really dedicated hours to figuring this thing out and i you think about it, it all started with a newspaper article out of michigan that's pretty remarkable
1: yeah and it got picked up on the wire and then you know people uh djs and stuff started talking about it and it got in other newspapers and then really just because Fred was driving late at night in his car, all of a sudden he came up with this whole business that they still talk about today. And then that Paul had been replaced, that they said they had a, you know, and people get very angry, like when they generally, many of the fans, when they hear the of that topic, you know, they say, well, Paul's not dead, and they react very angrily, but we really don't say he's dead. We were talking the, op- you know, the opposite, we know Paul's with us, but we just wanted to cover the phenomenon of what happened and how you know noteworthy people you know reacted to the information that was put out there and their memories of it so that's really kind of the crux of the book although we we did have one person come on and uh, the sage of quay he calls himself he's got his own radio show where he covers conspiracy and such and he puts down a good case of why he thought that that was the truth no i think paul's with us but we wanted to give someone from the other point of view you know a chance to uh present their case and he does do so it's very interesting to look over but i'm sure paul is still at home right now probably strumming his guitar talk coming up with a tune we'll in a few months and it'll be really it'll be something he'll add to his catalog
0: well, and one of the quotes you have in the book is that Paul says, I, if I were dead, I was the last to know or something like that. So, yeah. yeah. Well, actually, did you ever, I know you've talked to some people who knew Paul. So did they have any suggestions about what Paul really thought about this?
1: Well, our friend Ivor Davis, like, you know, as you know, um, and probably most of the audience knows, Ivor was on their whole first tour with them in hotels, at the shows, you know, on the planes, in the cars, you know, so he knew them well knows he still knows Paul and Ringo. You know, and uh he's always been a <clears throat> serious backer of my efforts and I couldn't be he could never have been kinder, you know, to help help out uh, guys uh-huh. and queens like me. And he uh he's a really wonderful person. And, you know, and I asked him about this, you know, he knows I don't think Paul passed away, but he you know, he kind of said, oh, no, Raleigh, you know, when you go and do this, you know, they're going to say that, uh, you know, we think he's dead, and, oh, you hope we don't get Apple angry and this and that. And I said, "Well, you know, we don't think he's dead. So he came on, and when he and I had in our interview, I-, I was quite the sense of humor, so he answered his questions with great aplomb, like I said to him, is it true? I was joking now, so I don't want to start another rumor. I was joking, and I said to him uh, in the interview, uh You know, is it true that you said to Ringo it was really hard on John to write twice as many songs after Paul passed on? (laughs) And he says, his answer, I'll give away the answer. And, you know, it's in the book. But he says, uh, no, Ringo said that, you know, Paul was still around and he, you know, got a date with this blonde that Ringo fancied and he was angry. So Ivor (laughs) took it with great humor. But we all think Paul is still here, and Ivor wants to make clear he thinks Paul is still with us. We don't want to get Ivor in trouble with the fans.
0: Absolutely not, absolutely not, but I mean Paul must have, when this all was going at the height of it, he must have had mixed feelings about this. Like you said, people were buying even more Beatles records, uh, but to have a rumor out that you were dead is kind of a strange thing to deal with, I would think.
1: Well, they had stopped touring, you know, because it was so crazy. There were bullet holes in their plane, and they were followed at some places by the Ku Klux Klan, and sometimes the police weren't used to the hordes of people. You know, and they'd say things like, we got it under control, and then the Beatles would almost be crushed. They had a real tough time when they went over and played, and, you know, the Marcos was in charge, and uh, the Beatles didn't show up at a party for a the Marcos, and they almost didn't get out of the country. So kind of they oh said, that's gosh. that. And by the yeah. time they played at the show you went to in San Francisco, they kind of had enough of it. And, uh, you know, they, they decided at that time if you didn't tour to support records, it was unheard of. So the Beatles just said, we're going to stay together, but we're going to work in the studio. So their manager, Brian Epstein, I guess a lot of what he did was playing the touring, so he felt kind of left out. But since the Beatles stopped touring, it added to the rumor in a way, because why did they stop touring? You know, people at that point probably didn't know they were, you know, they probably didn't want to publicize too much. that It was a negative experience a lot of the time because they didn't want to hurt the feelings of the fans. And uh, they started, you know, playing in the studio, so their musicianship went up and their songwriting uh, abilities flourished because they didn't have to be on the road constantly. So because the Beatles weren't out in the public, say at Chase Stadium or Candlestick, where you saw them, I believe, uh, people were saying, maybe there's something to this. Like, they can't bring this replacement, you know, Billy Shears or William Campbell, you know, know, these names that they used. And Ringo sang in Sgt. Pepper, uh, you know, as so they were doing a, a little help from my friends at Breaks in with, you know, Billy Shears is right. sing the next song. So, so that kind of thing <laughs> added fuel to the fire.
0: Well, one of the things that you've mentioned quite a bit was, you know, some of the album covers, especially Abbey Road and Magical Mystery Tour, you know, some of those. The cover art on your book is amazing. So can you tell us a little bit about that? And I've got in the description here, I've got the, the photograph of the front cover and the back cover because they're both really gorgeous. So tell us a little bit about how and why you selected those covers.
1: Well, my friend Warren Brown does art, and he's a graphic artist, and he's very talented, and he had done the Tomorrow Never Knows podcast with me. So I was sitting around trying to picture of a cover, of the trying to picture in my mind, well, I can draw like a stick figure. So I was trying to picture, and I'm not good with those graphic art, you know, little, little things you use on the computer to create it. So I was just picturing what I would want the cover to look like, and I thought, wow, you know, that thing on uh, Sergeant Pepper where Paul's back is to the, camera that would be cool for a back cover because it's Paul's back so then for the front cover uh, so Warren produced what I described to him perfectly like he got that in there and he added wow. to it and the back cover kind of reminds you of the back cover of Sergeant Pepper and then the front cover has the suit that Paul wore on Sergeant Pepper but it's just the suit like there's no person in it which you know is a little bit of a a little bit of a laugh a little bit of a joke it. Yeah, he's not in the <laughs> suit and then, uh, you know, we were trying to pick a title that was, you know, you know strong, but one that didn't say, Paul is dead, because then we're going to get hate mail, you know. If you have any hate mail, send it to Don Jeffers. And then he, <laughs> uh, if the, if you like the book, please tell me about it. But he, he, uh, he uh, did a great job, and we were talking, and uh, we called it, you know, From Strawberry Fields to Abbey Road, and then I said to Warren, gee, how can I uh, finish the title? It's kind of in the ballpark, but... It's not complete, and I don't want to say you know is is Paul dead or something and get people you know storming the Bastille. So he said, you know, he calls me Bulldog. My name is Robert Douglas, so Bob Doug, B D Bulldog. He said, hey Bulldog, why don't you call it, um, why don't you call it from Strawberry Fields to Abbey Road, and then in brackets the Billy Shears story. So yeah. as soon as he said that, I was like, that's it, and I'm like, it's perfect because it kind of alludes to it, but we don't come out and. Everybody's not going to go nuts as soon as they see the title saying, are they going to say Paul is dead? You know, we've had people do that, so that's not what not what, not what, what we say. But that's how the cover came to be, and uh, I just kind of pictured it in my mind, but I couldn't produce it in as an image. And Warren is so talented that he took the nation idea I had, and he made it into that front and back cover, which I think is really, uh, he did a wonderful job, and he can say it. One picture what done, and I can say it in ten thousand words, so I give him all the credit in the world. Wow,
0: well, Bob, you are so generous with your your friends and your credit giving and uh, karma is going to be good to you, my friend, I am sure, and obviously, the Beatles meant a lot to you, so tell us a little bit about your personal background with the Beatles and their records
1: uh, well, when I was about five um i I guess my mom had the radio on, and uh the song I'd never heard. You know, I didn't really know the Beatles yet or anything I was, I was like five years old and I heard the song, uh, I Don't Want to Spoil a Party. It's kind of John and Paul singing a duet that's kind of reminiscent of an Everly Brothers song, which I didn't know at the time. I just know I liked the sound. So I'd never asked my mom to buy me a record, but I said to my mother, would you buy me that record? And then the next time we went to Sears, in the old days you went to Sears, and we uh got me some clothes so she said if i behaved as we were trying on the clothes and i didn't give her a hard time about trying china and 10 <laughs> pairs of pants that she would buy me two beatles records so when we went we got two beatles records and then uh all this trouble was born and then i got my i don't want to spoil a party and it's all been uphill from there so it was uh thanks to my mom picking me up their records and playing the radio so this book is for my mom, like Paul saying, my, uh, you know, your mother should know. So my mother should know how much I think of her, and uh, and every day, and wish she was still with us. But I know she's in a better place up there. So you know, we'll look up to her and say thanks, mom, for everything.
0: Well, Bob, and now it's time for me to say thank you for everything. I've definitely been looking forward to getting to speak with you. Uh, your book is fantastic. It's also such a great read for all of my fellow baby boomers who were all beetle maniacs, I have to say. But it has been such a delight to get to know you and get to be part of you. I think you, like I say, I think your karma is going to be blessed because you're such a generous person and thanks for sharing your time your remarkable information and of course your passion for the Beatles with us
1: well thank you girl that's a Beatles song title there if you didn't know but I bet you did and I just want to say it's published by Bear Manor Media and it's also up on amazon.com so we always have to sneak that in there in the little business side of this uh, project which came from our heart but I'm so grateful for you having us on and Ivor speaks the world of you and I couldn't be happier that you deigned to talk to me today so I give you a big Oh
0: yes, I definitely deigned Bob. (laughs) Well and also I want to say I I did link to the Amazon page so for our listeners out there please check out this book. It's called From Strawberry Fields to Abbey Road The Billy Shears Story and believe me it is filled with fascinating facts and wonderful stories about our beloved Beatles and that was a very special time in each of our lives. You were five, I was a. To say a little bit older Bob, but uh, they sure meant a lot to all of us and this book is a real treasure trove of insider information about Paul's thank goodness not real his foe f-a-u-x demise there you this go. has been a treat for me and thanks again Bob
1: the thanks is all to you
0: okay well until next time this is Mary Irene Williams at feisty side of 50 radio saying I catch you later bye bye